Hello, and welcome to the Smarshview podcast. My name is Josie Fye, and I am a senior content writer at Smarsh. Today, we're going to be covering a big topic, artificial intelligence. More specifically, though, AI for electronic communications compliance, where regulated industries are currently at in this evolution and where they will need to be to manage more and larger data streams in the future. Here to discuss this with me is the Chief Product Officer at Smarsh, Gautam Nadella. Welcome, Gautam. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Josie. Good to be here talking to you. All right. So I'd like to start with a comment from a BBC interview with Alphabet's uh, CEO, Sundar Pichai, who said AI will be so foundational to society, he likened it to fire or electricity or the internet, but even more profound. What do you think of that? I think he's right. <clears throat> That's very prescient. And I do think it's going to transform every aspect of our lives. Uh, hopefully in all good ways, uh, but much to be seen in the future. But I do agree with him. And I think for me, the true measure of that will be when we stop talking about AI and just see the benefits of AI in everything we do. Let's talk about hybrid work. How has that expedited the need for AI in compliance technology specifically? Right. I think, um, I think you know, before we talk about hybrid work, which is kind of a here and now challenge, mm -hmm. it's let's spend a few minutes maybe talking a little bit about how we got here, right? I think, you know, uh, compliance, for most part, compliance technology has evolved in fragmented ways over the years and very naturally so because innovation has happened at different aspects of the compliance technology stack at different times. Um, and so it has been a fragmented stack. It has uh, had deficiencies always in terms of scale uh, because it tends to be an underinvested part of uh, any institution's uh, technology stack. Uh, but I think what work, you know, COVID has really done is accelerated a shift that I think would have happened over four or five years into a period of one year where everyone has started using these communication tools Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to work from home and seems like from everything we see, that's going to continue. Right. So and I think that has just exploded, just not just the volume of data that's generated by these tools, but also the variety of data. So you have people using voice, you have people using text, people using video, sometimes all three in at a single time in a meeting that creates enormous challenges for compliance teams in trying to keep up both the breadth and the variety of data. And I think um, the only way to deal with that uh, without having humans forever to keep up with that is to invest in technology. And I think AI is going to be one of those transformational technologies that will enable firms to catch up to that increase and in explosion of data. And, and from a compliance perspective, It'll enable them to do better surveillance, I think. And we'll talk about that more. So what do you think have been the barriers to preventing wider adoption of AI in compliance until now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think to adopt AI, I think you need to first actually have a centralized data strategy because uh, the foundation of any application of AI is really a fundamental data science practice and understanding what data you're dealing with and being able to test your application of AI and to be able to explain it, to be able to prove it, that it's actually producing the right results. Now, if you don't have a centralized data strategy, which for most part firms don't today or until now didn't, because again, to my earlier point, innovation has been fragmented, um, 
So the first step, I think, really is, you know, central having a centralized data strategy. So how do you capture and store all of your communications generated by your firm in a single place in a consistent way with all of the fidelity needed to run AI models? That's always the first step. I think beyond that, um, some of the challenges that have existed is, uh, again, you know, the uh, pre-cloud, it was very expensive to run AI. Um, and you had to run AI in, in, you know, in fragmented ways, but you, you also had to run it on prem And that created enormous challenges for firms in generating the right, uh, you know, the right kind of analytics, because, you know, um, it's very hard to procure the type of hardware needed to generate the right kind of analytics and on-prem, and it, it created, uh, it created enormous challenges. I think cloud has fundamentally changed that now. You can run, you can you can accelerate the time to value and to business outcomes by moving to the cloud and not doing it all prem on prem. And I think that that has been one of the biggest challenges. Unlike traditional software, right? So in AI, you have very specialized hardware. Where do you think these most companies are in their adoption of the cloud? It varies. I think it's a spectrum. I think what's clear is. Almost every company uh, in the world today is thinking about cloud of any enterprise size and uh, probably likely using some cloud software. Uh, but have they uh, made the decision to move all of their infrastructure to the cloud? Some yes, some maybe not yet. And compliance and you know communications data is in particular very sensitive. Um, and many firms have not yet adopted cloud. Um, in that stack um, and you know some of the larger organizations are starting to some of the smaller organizations are actually naturally getting there by using vendor software that runs in the cloud but it's really a spectrum what i do think what i see is if even if you look back you know pre-covid to like let's say 2018 2019 uh, the, relative to where we are today um, the industry, I think, has begun to realize that the only way to adopt AI and to scale the compliance stack is to adopt the cloud and to deploy the stack in the cloud for all the reasons I mentioned before. So I think it's a very fundamental shift in, in essentially the willingness to go to the cloud. But to, to go to the cloud, it's going to be an incremental process. And I think it's going to take a good part of the next three to four years for this industry to evolve to the cloud. How will uh, further breakthroughs in AI allow us to scale solutions to meet today's compliance problems? Um, I think, um, so, you know, if you think about AI and innovation, I think um, AI is a broad category. Within that category, I think, you know, we've seen a number of innovations come, come up in the last few years. That, uh, that impact compliance teams and their ability to keep up with all of this increase in data we talked about. Um, the first one is, um, you know, first one is really about, um, you know, NLP and a semantic match of terms. So compliance teams, let me explain that a bit. So compliance teams historically, when they look for um, problematic things in communications, historically relied on lexicons. Uh, now that's fundamentally the way people have always done it, but now with this volume of data, 
that is not good enough because it typically leads to a lot of false positives. So the innovation that has happened through the use of AI in being able to search for a specific term for an exact semantic match as opposed to an exact match is one of those examples. Um, some of the other examples are innovation in voice, um, you know, transcription of voice. As we talked about, people communicate not just in text, but also through voice. Um, so if you want to analyze voice communications, you first have to transcribe that. Um, if you look back two, three years, the accuracy rates were below 50%. Today, you will get fairly accurate, above 70% accuracy in transcribing voice communications. Um, that's another breakthrough that has been enabled through the use of AI. You can see that yourself in using your phone, smartphones, and talking to your phones or any voice assistant, right? So that's, um, that's another area where AI is going to have a fundamental impact in terms of compliance. Uh, the third I would highlight is the ability to scale um, compliance programs across languages. So most global organizations, employees don't talk in one language. They talk in multiple languages, sometimes switch languages within a single conversation. Now, if you're trying to understand what's happening in that conversation, um, any policies you build from a compliance perspective have to be able to be applied across languages. And some of the recent innovations in AI and we are pioneering at Smarsh uh, will enable compliance teams to scale the policies across languages seamlessly, as opposed to what compliance teams have historically done, which is to build a separate policy per language. And you can understand how that's uh, such a massive challenge when you have a very global workforce. Um, and all of these ultimately, right, I think ultimately they are, if you look back four years, I do believe, um, I do believe compliance teams will look a lot more like data science teams as opposed to teams that are just processing alerts because all of this technology will essentially move the heavy processing needed to understand, make sense of all this communication um, into machines that can actually understand that and generate analytics that are very targeted and that will allow these compliance teams to actually focus on what they're really good at, which is analyzing those analytics and actually understanding what's happening in their business. Sorry, I'm going back a little bit. We didn't get as much into, um, we talked a little bit about communications and voice and some of those other channels. What are What do you see in the future as the way people are communicating for work? Um, in the future, yeah, I think, um, listen, I think, uh, um, um, I think our virtual and real worlds are going to merge more and more. Um, for most part, the way I also work today is um, my interactions with people are sometimes virtual, sometimes in person. And those worlds are going to blur as opposed to, you know, a few years back, I would have We've spent 80, 90% of my time working with people in person and maybe 10, 20% of my time sending an email or using some communication tool. Today, I think those um, those ratios have probably flipped. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I think our virtual and real worlds are going to merge. That's where you see a lot of the larger technology companies like Google and Microsoft and others talk a little bit about metaverse and how... Um, our virtual and real worlds will blend together. Um, 
I'm less interested in the social media aspect of it as much as I think in a real sense, I think it's going to be pretty healthy for people to be able to have a consistent experience, whether you're interacting with someone in person or, or virtually. Today, they're kind of fragmented, right? Like I just, I'll tell you from first-hand experience, I met my team uh, for the first time after about eight months of working wow. with them, <laughs> thanks to COVID. And, and if you think about that, um, my mind has to adjust mm-hmm. um, to, oh, this is the person I used to see in the computer for the last eight months to, oh, this person is this person. And then I can see their energy. I can feel their energy. I can interact with them. When I see their energy, I think that's an entirely different experience that uses an entirely different part of your brain. So um, maybe this is a wish or maybe this is a prediction, but I think three to four years from now, I would hope that um, those worlds will come closer together. So it's not as jarring when you go from virtual to real, real to virtual, right? So, um, and I think that's going to provide all sorts of benefits in how people are able to have flexible working hours, flexible working arrangements, uh, balance personal and work lives and all sorts of things. There was a moment there when we were talking about um, kind of how that has affected all of those changes and the way we communicate has affected the explosion of data. Um, there was a little bit of sound actually in the background at that when we were talking, when you were explaining that, can you kind of go back into that? What, um, what is this new way of communicating and this, you know, you say it's fragmented now and, um, what does that mean for then compliance teams as they are looking at all of these different types of communication and, and putting that together, um, how do they pull those fragmented pieces and pull them, put that together? What does that mean? That's right. I think we were talking a little bit about, I think, you know, um, what does it really mean with all of this explosion in volume and variety of data to compliance teams? I think really um, the point I was making was up until now, you could get away with having a very fragmented compliance stack. Um uh, because you were obviously looking for best-of-breed solutions across the different layers of your compliance stack. Um, but this kind of explosion in data now, I think it's really important to have a centralized um, data strategy where you store all your communications data uh, in a consistent way in a single place, um, and you're able to scale that to keep up with the explosion in data and apply AI to derive intelligence from all of that data. And I think, you know, um, doing it the historical way, which is, you know, your voice data is stored here, your text data is stored there, you're uh, processing them in different places, you're running AI somewhere else, it's just not going to scale for today's volume data. What will happen is there'll be an exponential increase in cost. So I think what's important is that to be able to leverage AI, to be able to derive intelligence from all of your communications data, you need to first have a centralized strategy in how you process all that data. And that will drive you to faster business outcomes that will drive you to um, the kind of intelligence you're looking to derive from the data in a much faster way. Um, yeah, and that's, that's I think, you know, the other point I'll make there is, um, you know, I think it's a here and now problem. I think if organizations defer that investment 
and they continue to operate in a fragmented way. My prediction is I think two to three years from now, most organizations who continue to think of it that way will struggle to keep up. Um, and not only struggle to keep up, but I think they'll have a significant challenge to change their approach at that point. So I think um, if there's one advice we give when we talk to customers, the point we make is take a holistic look at your data strategy today, because if you don't do it now, three, four years from now, it'll be too late to do that because there'll be so much data to deal with and, and, and so much fragmentation that it'll become an infinitely more complex problem to deal with. What are some other problems that could come up beyond compliance in that case, if, if a company doesn't have a, a put together, thought out um, data strategy? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, there's an infrastructure and a technology challenge. I think the implications of that really are, you know, if you're not able to keep up, um, again, the most obvious ones are, um, with compliance, the biggest, single biggest risk is reputational damage. So if you're not able to consistent, you can see that again and again and again in the news, right? So uh, the reputational damage that comes from someone doing something bad and using a communication tools for that. Um, financial services and most highly regulated industries, you are required to monitor those communications. And if you don't and you can't, not only is there the threat of regulatory fines, but uh, I think... That is, in my opinion, a smaller challenge than any reputational damage, which is very, very hard to reverse. Um, that's the first uh, issue. I think the second issue is, if, you know, that's the macro challenge, right? Like reputational damage and, and all kinds of impact from anything bad happening or your employees doing something bad using communication tools. The second thing is, um, I think it's also, you know, the increase, the exponential increase in costs that will come if you don't have a centralized strategy and you don't take a holistic view across the entire problem and how you leverage AI. Um, what will happen is, um, you know, for example, if you don't move off on-prem to the cloud, uh, you're going to face exponentially increasing costs as well as longer time to market to, to keep up uh, with the, today's surveillance needs, right, and compliance. Um, and most compliance team will not get that budget. What they will hear for most part is that, yes, you'll get an increase in budget, but it's not going to be enough. So you have to figure out how to keep up with the volume and data. So, um, so I think they'll struggle to keep up uh, with exponential increase in data, but also increase in costs. Um, so that's the second layer of the issue. The third one, I think, is, um, is maybe a softer risk, but actually an equally important one is I think you will be at a competitive disadvantage relative to your peers. I think organizations that have a centralized data strategy are storing all of this data consistently and leveraging AI to extract intelligence will be in a much better place in how in understanding how their employees work, what's going well, what's not going well, where some of their risks and challenges are, but also things like how are they servicing the customers um, you know, so they will be, they will have a comparative advantage because they're able to um, understand all of the communications that are happening inside the company much better than their peers. So again, the cost of not investing in this is uh, going to show up maybe not now in three to four years from now where 
they are at a competitive disadvantage relative to your peers. And a, and a great, a great quote I will cite, similar to what Sundar was talking about AI, um, I recently saw a video with Satya Nadella from Microsoft that where he spoke to, um, he said something very profound. He said the most important and strategic database for any company is its repository of all communications, just for the reason I mentioned, right? And then, you know, again, the firms that make the right investment, have the right strategy, will have a competitive advantage over their peers in a few years from now. Interesting. Can you, you don't have to name names, but do you have an example of a company or somebody that's maybe doing it right? Yeah, I mean, I think for most part, we have to respect our <laughs> our customers' uh, privacy and uh, uh, requirements. And, and so I'm not at the liberty to talk about specific names of customers. But I, what I can tell you is, um, I think, you know, typically, you know, banks have the most amount of funding uh, to invest in technology. So tier one banks in particular. Um, I think some of the tier one banks are you know, um, are like really well ahead of their peers in terms of having a holistic data strategy and, and leveraging a single platform for all of their needs so that they can store all of that data consistently and then leverage AI. Um, the nice thing about some of these banks is not only do they have a consistent data strategy, but when it comes to leveraging AI, um, they don't simply come at it as saying, oh, AI is going to solve all my problems, so I'm going to go look for a vendor that has AI. They actually take a pretty um, um, pragmatic view of that, right? They understand like their understanding of how, you know, you have to leverage AI, but it has to be done in, in, um, in, um, to complement what they're doing already today. So it's really an evolution of what they're doing today into leveraging more AI. So they have a very thoughtful approach to that, but they also you know, work with vendors like us where they have their own data science teams, for example, working with our data science teams and collaborating deeply in how we roll out AI and how we you know, um, complement their existing approach with AI-enabled technologies, especially in surveillance. Um, so so you know, forward-looking investment in infrastructure, centralized data strategy, um, taking a partnership approach with vendors like us in terms of rolling out AI and, and an incremental approach um, so they can get it right. But also the last part, I will say, some of the firms that are forward-looking, things that they do really well are partnering with regulators. So the other challenge with leveraging AI in this industry is, you know, it's it's not just good enough to say, hey, my I'm leveraging AI and it's delivered, you know, whatever, however you quantify it, let's say 90% your false positives in your surveillance program, but you have to be able to explain to regulators that you're also catching all the things you should be catching. So uh, some of the more forward-looking firms are working with us on, okay, so how do you have governance around these AI models? How do you explain them to regulators? What's an acceptance criteria and framework when we deliver enhancements? And we really, really deeply value that partnership with the industry. Um, and again, I will also say that it's not unique to banks, right? So we see some of the larger and more advanced buy-side firms, um, asset managers, I'm used to saying buy-side, but uh, large asset managers doing the same thing. Uh, but very incredibly, we also see some smaller firms, right? Like, you know, smaller independent broker-dealers asking the same questions and saying, how do we 
scale our compliance programs and leverage AI to be a handle this explosion in data. So it's not just, you know, that there are large firms that are doing things right. I think there are firms of all sizes doing things right. And it really comes from having not a next six, 12 month plan, but having a five year plan and then looking backwards to where we are now and saying, what do I need to do now to be in a good place three, four, five years from now? So you think this is approachable for smaller organizations too? Absolutely. That's the nice thing about technology, right? I think um, I would say that uh, while AI is is complicated right now for people to implement, just like what Sundar said, I think the nice thing about AI, I think for me, the real benefit of AI is going to be when it is not restricted. Its benefits are not restricted to the largest firms in the world, right? And I think in compliance, we're already at that point. Um, so as an example, we have very large companies, as I said, that work with us at a very fundamental level, data science teams partnering with our data science teams, working on jointly working on models that help compliance teams. But we also have smaller firms that are leveraging some of the more prepackaged um, uh, surveillance and supervision capabilities um, that are enabled by AI, but they don't have the same amount of uh, investment they can make in tuning those models. So they're more willing to use some of the prepackaged capabilities we have, whether it's um, lexicons complemented with some of the NLP capabilities or other means of leveraging AI. Um, so it's not definitely not restricted to uh, the largest firms. And the other thing I would say is I think cloud, you know, the advent of cloud technology and the broad adoption of cloud has democratized access to AI, right? So again, going back to my previous point, if you were deploying technology on-prem or in private data centers, it was very difficult for smaller firms to make that investment and the leap to AI because it requires specialized hardware and it's expensive and, and all kinds of challenges that come up. But with the advent of cloud technologies, I think now that has democratized access to all of these capabilities. So we are able to roll these out to even smaller customers with very little friction um, that can deliver immediate results for them. So where does Smarsh come in here? Sure. <laughs> it's a great question. That's what we spend all our time thinking about, right? So um, I think from a Smarsh perspective, I think the way I look at it is I think we are... We have a unique vantage point, right? Uh, again, to the previous question, we do see companies that are very large and we see uh, customers and companies that are very small um, and we see an entire spectrum in the middle. Um, so it gives us a very unique vantage point. The other thing I will say is um, uh, we've been in this space for a very long time now as a company. So uh, from that vantage point, we've seen um, the industry evolve, but we've also... Um, seen some of these challenges um, that have always existed. And we've, um, in some ways I would say, I'm proud to say that we've anticipated some of the challenges that these teams will have as there's all of this explosion in data and communication tools will happen or is happening, right? So I think we made, from our perspective, I think we've been making all of the right investments for the last five years to be able to uh, move the industry into the future. Uh, compliance uh, teams into the future as uh, as all of this innovation happens in communication tools. Um, and that has really helped us um, being ready for sort of this challenge the industry has today, right? We talked about earlier. Um, 
um, I think, you know, um, the launch of communications intelligence platform, um, which we announced a month back, I think is our next evolution in this chapter, right? So uh, what we see is that, again, to my earlier point about having a centralized data strategy and having a holistic approach to how you apply AI on top of all of that data, um, um, we, uh, we have a view that I think what we offer is not individual products, but a platform that enables you to do that. And we are very uniquely positioned to do that in some ways uh, because we can capture all of your communications data, we can analyze all of that, store it in a consistent way, and apply AI to derive intelligence. Um, and, and all of those capabilities can be delivered through a single platform today um, and through the power of public cloud. So um, from a smart perspective, what we're deeply focused on is to be able to deliver that platform to all of our customers, large and small, with very little friction in a way that it future-proofs them um, as all of this innovation that's happening in communication tools is rolled out to their employees. Uh, and, and I think that is the single best way we can, um, I believe we can address the industry's need to evolve into the future. How do you think AI solutions help businesses be regulator friendly? Right. Um, that's a, uh, you know, that's an important question because of the space we are in, right? Again, um, when you, you know, our smartphones have AI enabled tools, we don't necessarily have to explain to people what AI is doing <laughs> when we use Siri or Alexa or any of these voice assistants that are enabled through AI. But the unique thing about compliance is um, any fundamental shifts in how you do your surveillance or your um, supervision or archiving of communications data and all of those things, you have to be able to explain to regulators and prove to regulators that you're doing the right thing to monitor all of your employee communications. Um, and that poses a unique challenge because um, AI can be a black box um, for, you know, essentially for compliance teams because they're just reacting to the, and sometimes to the analytics and the alerts that are generated by AI enabled solutions. So I do think the best thing we can do <clears throat> to, to kind of avoid that challenge is to uh, partner with the industry, to develop a framework for the industry together with the industry and how you go from leveraging a pure lexicon based approach, um, most of which is very explainable. You look for a keyword, if that keyword matches, you generate an alert and then you go review what happened and so on and so forth to, uh, to an approach where that those lexicons are actually complemented by AI-enabled models um, that will make you far more efficient in looking for those alerts or generating the right kind of alerts. Um, so to go from that point A to point B, I think um, the industry needs a framework. And that framework is not only about um, technology, but it is also about explainability, right? So how do you explain how these models are doing the right thing? How do you prove to regulators that they're doing the right thing? Um, and then also, what's um, how do you accept that change? So most compliance teams have pretty rigorous acceptance criteria every time they have to make some changes to the policy because a bad change could mean that you're not catching all the things you should be catching and create all the risks we already talked about before. 
Um, so the framework should also account for what's your acceptance criteria? How do you risk accept a new approach that is lexicons complemented by AI to do surveillance? Um, that's just an example, but I think, you know, um, you know, risk acceptance and understanding models and being able to explain them to regulators, I think is the best thing we can do um, to enable the industry to transition from non-AI solutions to AI-enabled solutions. Um, I would also say that, um, you, know, uh, you know, AI will also make them, you know, uh, far more ready to be regulatory compliant. So as an example of that, right, voice is a great example of that. Uh, you know, up until now, largely um, for regulated industries and for, you know, for financial services, regulated companies, surveillance of voice has been optional. Uh, but when we look at where we are today, we do think um, it's becoming increasingly important, not just because of all employees using voice tools, not just text, but regulators are also starting to ask questions. How, what is your plan to do voice surveillance of voice communications? Because obviously everyone knows now that there's, uh, there's an explosion in use of tools that enable audio video conferencing, right? Um, so whether it's reputational risk or regulatory risk, voice is becoming increasingly important. So then how do you do that, right? And I think, yeah, that's a great example where I think um, all of the breakthroughs in transcription and, you know, of voice and across languages will enable these companies to be able to meet that regulatory requirement of surveilling voice communications. And then you can, you know, that's it, like kind of say, I would say the next 12 months, but then if you look forward beyond the next year or two, uh, the next frontier is really video and what you're sharing in video. Again, people could be sharing things that they should not be sharing in video. We see a lot of innovation in how you can analyze video as well, leveraging AI. And, and what that will do is that will enable all of these businesses um, uh, monitor all communications, whether it's voice or a text or video in a consistent way. And um, and I think that ultimately will put them in a good place in terms of meeting the regulatory requirements. Do you think that the regulators will be considering video as well in, in when they're looking at electronic communications? I think so. I mean, they have to be, right? So if you think about, you know, um, a C-level executive who's thinking about <clears throat> how do I make sure you know, there's least amount of reputational risk for the company emanating from communications, you have to be thinking about video, right? So I spend, today I spend half my time on video calls. I rarely type things in a chat conversation mm -hmm. anymore. When I need to talk to someone, I call them on video, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, so video is important. I don't think any, any company can get away from that. I think we are, uh, as an industry, we're getting a little bit of a grace period uh, to be able yeah. to invest in uh, video, in, in our ability to analyze video communications, but at some point, video is going to have a is going to be a critical requirement. Uh, it's not a question of if; I think it's a question of when. Okay, so to summarize, I think we've talked a little bit about um, you know the explosion of data that came from COVID and hybrid work and new communications tools that people are relying on. Um, and so for companies to really need a uh, data strategy to 
cover all of that and to understand what's what's coming in, what's going out, um, and that AI is really going to be critical to making sense of all of that. Would you say that's about right? That's about right. And um, and I would add a layer to that that says that speaks to all of the things you just mentioned. I think it's important that firms start thinking about it now. I, I think it's a critical element when we talk to customers. The question we get asked is, uh, maybe I'm not ready to make that investment. Can I do that and you know, solve some of the more basic problems now and look at all this a year or two years from now? I think uh, we're in such an interesting and challenging place with this explosion in data that I don't think you can postpone thinking about this. I think you need to be thinking about it now, um, holistically. And I think that'll put firms in a good place three to four years from now. Yes, I think there's a lot of talk about AI in all different applications for 2022. So I, th I think you're right. I think it's coming quicker than we could have ever imagined. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Gautam. This has been another episode of the Smarsh View podcast. If you want to lear learn more about Smarsh, please visit smarsh.com. Thank you, Josie. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.